Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Women in the Scriptures. And I'm delighted on this episode to be joined by Hilary Rich, who is a wonderful woman. And I would just like to welcome Hilary. And would you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Oh, the question that everybody hates. Um, okay, so as you say, I'm Hilary and I live in Stafford um, with my husband. Um, and I have two uh, grown up daughters and a couple of grandchildren now. Um, I have, was a cradle Catholic and left the church for many years, became a hokey-cokey Catholic and then returned to the church. And um, I'm now learning that uh, the real answer to who I am is a child of a father in heaven who loves me. Oh, that's wonderful. So, Hilary, who have you chosen? Which women in the scriptures have you chosen? OK, so I've chosen Hannah. Um, I first met Hannah over 30 years ago. When I say I met her, I meant that I started reading scripture and uh, I read in 1 Samuel, the story of Hannah's life and was totally amazed to discover someone in scripture whose narrative reflected my life at the time. Hannah was desperate to have children and at that point didn't or wasn't able to have any. And that was the story of my life at the time. I had been told that unless we had a particular form of uh, infertility treatment, that we would know we would not have any. But through Hannah, I've learned so much about myself and about God and about the kind of relationship he wants with us, uh, about prayer and about what it means to be a woman in the church today. So that's why I've chosen Hannah of all the wonderful women. And what a great choice she is. So what attracted you to Hannah? I know you've given us the beginning of the insights, but what attracted you to Hannah? Well, as I say, it was her situation which was so um, identical to mine. Hannah was much loved by her husband, Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives and we're told that he loved Hannah more than Penina. So she should have been quite a, a, an emotionally secure woman, but she couldn't have children. And at that time, words like barren were used, words like curse. And it actually tells us in scripture that she believed that the Lord had closed her womb. So there was a lot for Hannah to bear, and it sort of resonated a bit with some of the struggles I had. But on top of that, um, this second wife of Elkanah provoked and taunted Hannah ridiculing her and although that didn't happen to me um I really felt for Hannah that on top of everything she you know she had this other woman to contend with but I think what attracted me to Hannah more than anything was how she responded to all that because at the time it was so unlike how I was behaving I mean first of all what does Hannah do with her suffering she pours out her hurt and pours out her heart to the Lord, which I think was quite unusual for the time. She didn't sulk and retaliate, um, which I was doing, making people's life miserable because of the pity party. But she was totally authentic before the Lord. She took what in scripture is called the bitterness of her soul 
um, had deep trouble. The fact that she was what was called downcast, which we probably would say depressed. And she, through that anguish and, pray, uh, uh, and grief, she prays to the Lord. And not only that, but she perseveres like that widow, you know, the persevering widow in scripture who was recorded. She never turned against God, you know, as I think a lot of people do when they're hurting and suffering Mm -hmm. and they don't get what they want. And she never turned against God. Um, But what she does is it's quite amusing in some ways. She bargains with God. Now, I think we have to be very careful about Mm -hmm. um, talking about it being a good thing to bargain with God. It's not a case of saying if, if you give me this, I'll I'll do that, you know. Um, it wasn't like that for Hannah. She made a vow to God mm. that if he gave her the son that she longed for, that she would offer that son back to God. That she didn't just want a blessing for herself, um, like I think I did, and, and perhaps many people do, but without knowing it, she was actually offering to cooperate with God in his plan because he needed what was going to be a Samuel for the next stage of his movement in the salvation of his people and without knowing it I think Hannah was had a breakthrough in that prayer because she actually was offering to cooperate with God and to give her child back to him and it's later in 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 1 Samuel when Hannah prays and she said the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed you know, God knew her heart and he knew this was not a bargain, selfish bargain. This was a vow. And I think that was the breakthrough. Moving on a little bit, you know, she's pouring out her heart to God in such a way that Eli, the priest, thinks that she's drunk. Mm. <laughs> and on top of everything she suffered, you know, her spiritual advisor, who would be perhaps our priest today, criticizes her and, um, and admonishes her doesn't see the motive behind her prayer judges how she's praying but Hannah is so feisty she defends herself but in a sort of very respectful way Mm. and you know that wins her the favor of Eli it reminded me a bit of the Canaanite woman who asked Jesus to come and heal her demon possessed child and she says to Jesus even the dogs can eat the crumbs from the master's table. And that was rewarded. God, Jesus rewards her for that sort of faith and perseverance and that kind of respectful defense of her position, which I think as women, we all need to learn today. So Eli then recognizes um, the authenticity of Hannah and her situation. And he, he tells her to go in peace and that, you know, she will be rewarded. God will um he doesn't say give you what you want, but he says go in peace as if it's finished and it's sealed. And I love how Hannah responds. She goes away and she's no longer downcast and she is at peace. I think partly because she has done this wonderful process of emptying herself of her mm. grief for the Lord in that authentic and genuine way. But also because she has faith and trust in God, a God she knows so well. And it reminded me a bit of when Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who believed that what the Lord had said to her would be. And of course, we know it was accomplished. You know, she had a baby boy called him Samuel. And that must have brought her such joy, such joy of having the baby, but the joy of knowing that, you know, that God had heard her prayer. And, you know, that really touched me at the time. And it taught me 
you know, to pray in a completely different way. And it taught me that God loves each one of us and has a plan. And even if if I was not going to be rewarded, which I was eventually, that God was going to use me in some way, was going to fulfill all my needs and was going to supply me with what I needed most. And, you know, Hannah, she keeps, bless her, she keeps her promise of returning that baby to the Lord. And, and I think all of us who have had children will perhaps identify with how hard that must have been for her. Um, we're told that she kept Samuel until he was weaned. Now, we don't know how long that was, Natalie, but, you know, it could have been as much as two years or even three years in, in this. And then we're told that she started going back each year once she had released Samuel to Eli in the temple. So a number of years must have passed after she had Samuel and had given him back when there must have been a lot of sadness, but there was no longer this anguish in Hannah. And she, she there's such a touching moment. She used to make a little robe, little ephod each year and take it to Samuel. But we're given no indication that there was, there must have been sadness, but no grief, no anger. There was this total sort of peace in that relinquishment of Samuel um, to the Lord. And if, if you read in Samuel, she's such a contrast to Eli's two sons at the time, um, Hophni and Phinehas, who were rebelling against God. You know, she exemplifies the serenity that we achieve when we are cooperating with God and trying to accept things, even when we don't want them. And then Hannah comes out with this wonderful, wonderful prayer of thanksgiving to God, which is such a contrast to her earlier personal outpouring of grief. I learned so much about this different form of prayer. She praises God for his power, his holiness, his majesty, his great love for her. There is such a transformation in my mind in the Hannah we first. She really knows her God. She knows how much she's loved by him, not just her husband. Mm. And you know, she is really blessed then because we know that the Lord blesses her with more children, five more children. And we, we leave Hannah there, but I'm sure she has a wonderfully blessed life still staying close to her God and now learning how to be this wonderful mother to these children. Yeah. yeah so that's why she, I was attracted to her. Oh, and she is a beautiful, incredible woman. And mm. how many of us have maybe gone into prayer and said to God, oh, if I could just have this and I promise, I promise. And she really fulfills her promise, her back to God, which is just so beautiful and a great lesson for us all, I think. That's right. yeah. So why, why do you think that um, Hannah is still relevant today? You've given I know you've given us some ideas already, but... Well, I think you've you've mentioned it just in what you said, Natalie, that um, the most important lesson isn't, for me, isn't just what a saintly mother she was. And um, it's not even about the prayer and the way she persevered. For me, it was watching Hannah knowing how important she was to God. And that's true of each one of us. And until we really know how much God loves us, how much he knows us, how much not only do we need him, but he needs us. 
And until we, like Hannah, are completely open to God and what he wants to do in our lives, uh, then he will respond. And for me, uh, I, I think, as you know, but uh, age 38, I had a, a baby daughter, naturally. And uh, unsurprisingly, her name is Hannah Mary Elizabeth. And at the age of 41, I had another baby girl called Esther, Esther mm -hmm. Jane Francis. And um, both those young women are dedicating their lives, um, both their personal lives and their work lives in the service of the Lord. So I have been incredibly blessed like Hannah. But Hannah shows us how we need to be intentional in our relationship with the Lord. We need to intend to get to know him, intend to be his disciple. And I think post-COVID, that is going to be so important for women in the church. In Let Us Dream, Pope Francis talks very powerfully about the need for women in the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he maybe, maybe, maybe we can turn what happened to Hannah into something positive. She was provoked by Penina, Elkanah's second wife, into doing something. Mm. And maybe we need, as women, we need to be provoked into that holy discontent with not just our lives, but the life of the church, the life um, post-COVID. And we need to be provoked into acting. And Maybe this is a little bit controversial too, but I think what is relevant for women today is that through Hannah and Penina, I can see not just two quite different women, but I can see two different types of church. You know, Penina, first of all, Penina was a practicing, devout woman. She, with Elkanah and with Hannah, we're told, she got early, up early in the morning to pray. She carried out all her religious duties. She was almost, I think, like what St. Paul calls a bit legalistic, maybe, pharisaical in how she did that. She seemed to be very static. We don't hear that she changed in any way. She kind of, to me, represents almost the untransformed church, the way for years I was an untransformed Catholic. Mm -hmm. I just went through the motions. Whereas Hannah... You know, we, we see the process of her being transformed and maturing in her prayer life. We see um, a more spiritually mature, authentic Catholic Christian woman, worshipful um, in relationship with the Lord, cooperating with him, being fruitful in so many ways. So, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot there to learn for and to be used by women, a lot that's very relevant to us in the church. That's wonderful. Thank you very, very much, Hilary, for your great reflection and insights into Hannah. And if you're listening to the podcast, I very much hope now that you will go and pick up one Samuel, pick up your Bible and um, pray and reflect on the life of Hannah and hopefully learn how she learn from her prayer and the way she opened herself up to the Lord and allowed him to transform her and her great example of faith and trust in the Lord. So um, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about Hillary's insights into Hannah. I know that I have. Thank you and goodbye.
Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Nasleo Rafici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.